Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today for our podcast. I want to thank all of you who've gone out of your way to let people know about the podcast. I've been amazed at the nations that uh, the podcasts are getting into. I've been amazed at the organizations that are now utilizing them for leadership training. I've been amazed just the individuals who contact us and let us know uh, the dimensions of impact that the podcasts are having. So all of you that have uh, put out the information, thank you, thank you so much uh, for doing that. Today I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about the Jesus Standard. And I want to begin by reading uh, several verses from Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. It says in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Um, Honestly, uh, I kept thinking about this verse for several days, or this passage of verses for several days. And as I was thinking about the passages, um, it just began to hit me that what we're seeing is Jesus leading. We're seeing him in a very visual way, stepping up and uh, just being a leader. Now, it's from that that I thought, man, you know, all these books are written about, you know, uh, Steve Jobs as a leader, Lincoln as a leader, Churchill as a leader, Martin Luther King Jr. as a leader, George Washington Carver as a leader, and all of those individuals are tremendous and excellent leaders. But what we have in Matthew chapter 9 is that we have Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, as a leader. So I want to walk you through a series of principles that uh, I believe stand out about the uh, standard that Jesus set for leadership. The first one comes from that simple thought that he went about all their cities and villages. So number one is this. If you're going to lead, you've got to lead out front. I say that to you because uh, in our society today, especially in the corporate world, uh, leaders tend to hide. They have the corner office. They have uh, the full glass exposure. They have the best view. They have the best everything. But they tend to lead Uh, from an office. They're not leading out front. Now, I realize that there are jobs that uh, require office time, and I'm in no way mitigating that, but I am saying that if you are going to be a high-impactful leader, then you've got to lead out front. I remember in history during uh, the Six-Day War when Israel was attacked by all of the Arab nations around it, Uh, it looked like they were going to be wiped out. They were caught by surprise. It looked like they were going to be overrun. It looked like uh, they were heading to sure defeat. And because Israel has a small army uh, in proportion to all the nations around it, uh, they have limited manpower. And so when it looked like they were about to be overrun in certain regions, uh, an order was sent out from uh, the high command. And it said this, all privates retreat 
generals stand your ground. Here's what they knew. They knew that uh, they needed the manpower. They needed the people out there. But who they could afford to lose in some ways was the leaders. And they said, you know what? Uh, we need the leaders to stand their ground. Now, here's what that order really says. When a leader stands his or her ground, everyone else is going to stand their ground. Why? Because they're leading out front. You know, um, there are a lot of reality TV shows and probably honestly more than uh, to my liking out there. But there is this interesting one. It's called Undercover Boss. And what it deals with is leaders who go undercover to see what their company's really like, to integrate into their company unbeknownst to employees uh, so that they can uh, get a glimpse of what the job is really like. And that whole premise of that reality show is that leaders only know the best information when somehow they get out front. I'm reminded in the Old Testament, it talks about Jehoshaphat, and it talks about a time when uh, a number of nations were coming at Israel. And uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it says this, and it says, and Jehoshaphat stood in the midst of the people. What is that saying? They needed a leader, and they needed their leader to be out front. Jesus could have easily stayed in a temple Jesus could have easily just stayed in Jerusalem. Jesus could have easily just stayed anywhere. But it says that Jesus went about their cities and villages. Why? Because leaders need to be seen. Leaders need to be out on the front lines, and leaders need to be out front. So when you look at this passage, if there's any standard, it's that as a leader of my organization, I don't get to hide. Uh, there are times when I have to get out front. There are times when my people need to see me out front. And even though the office hours sometimes can confine me to an office, I have to figure out how to get out in front where people get to see me as their leader who is leading them to God and closer to God. So that would be the first thing. If you're going to follow the Jesus standard, then you're going to have to learn to lead from the front. Number two. It says that he was teaching and preaching. Um, just very simple. Uh, leaders have to communicate clearly. Since Jesus went about teaching and preaching, leaders have to articulate values. They have to articulate vision. They have to be able to articulate and communicate uh, on a clear way. And uh, um, the interesting thing here is that it says that he didn't do it one time. He did it everywhere he went. And one thing I know is that leaders are constantly articulating values and vision. Uh, that it's not one and done, but it's uh, always being done. And so it says he went about teaching and preaching. Well, uh, maybe you don't use those words teaching and preaching. Maybe you use the word uh, communicate and communicator. Uh, but however you define that. What I know is that uh, leaders have to articulate. They have to have a clear, resonant sound that they're making. And there has to be this clarion call that they're committed to communicate. And so uh, if we're going to follow the Jesus standard, then we're going to lead from the front and we're going to communicate clearly. But then it says this. 
says he went about teaching and preaching the gospel. Now, for those of us from a Christian background, we get it. See, the gospel is the good news. The gospel deals with hope. It deals with the fact that your life may be here, but your life doesn't have to stay there. You may be going through this, but that doesn't have to be where your life ends up. See, uh, number three is leaders give others hope. If you're around a high-capacity leader, they raise the water level for everyone. They raise the level for you to dream bigger. They raise the level for you to live bigger. They raise the level for you to experience bigger. Um, leaders uh, give hope. And uh, we know that one of the um, sayings about leadership is that leaders are dealers in hope. And I really do believe that. I believe that uh, leaders do that. Many, many years ago, I was reading an article, and it was a very intriguing article to me because it was written uh, by a medical doctor. And the um, article uh, started with this title, I Wished I Could Prescribe Hope. Man, when I saw that title, I said, I got to read this. But what he began to describe is that as a doctor, he could have two patients, that basically presented with the exact same symptoms, which basically presented with the exact same disease, which presented with the exact same course of action. And he would talk about how that one would live and the other would die. As a surgeon, he said, I would go in and I would see the exact same thing in two people. And one of them would live and one of them would die. And he said, medically, I can give you reasons why they did. But he said, really, there was no reason. He said, what I've learned over years of practicing medicine was that people who have hope, they come out of things. People who have no hope, they don't come out of things. And so he would say the same uh, two different individuals having the exact same um, disease at the exact same stage, both of them requiring surgery, one lives and one dies. And he would say there's no reason that two of them shouldn't have lived. But he says it comes back. One would say, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to make it. The other one would say, I'm not sure I'll make it through this. And what he lamented was, he said, as a doctor, if there was a prescription, I wished I could prescribe hope. We know the power of hope because the Bible talks about it. It says that Abraham hoped against hope. When there was no natural reason to have hope, he had a supernatural reason. David said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. He understood that as a leader, he needed hope because he needed to give hope. We understand Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, Now faith is the substance for things hoped for. I've told people after 40 years of ministry, when I went into ministry, I thought my job was to get people to believe. After years of ministry, I learned that my job was to get people to hope. I know a lot of people who believe who've lost hope. They believe that God can do everything, but they've lost hope that their marriage will be any better, that their family will be any different, that their career will be any different than what it seems like today. It's not a faith issue, it's a hope issue. And without hope, your faith becomes ineffective. So 
it says that he went about the cities and villages preaching and he gave them hope. And as the leaders, that's what we do. We give people hope. We begin to articulate hope in, in meaningful, practical ways. And we begin to give people an idea that there's not only a today, but with God, there's a tomorrow. And that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, that he'll always be there. So the Jesus standard, you got to be out front. You got to communicate clearly. You got to give others hope. And then it says that he went about all their cities and villages uh, preaching the gospel and healing the sick. As leaders, we have to relate to people's needs. This is, this is crystal clear in scripture. If we're going to lead people, we have to relate. See, in your life and my life, we have needs. The people who stand out to us are the ones who've been there during needy times, who've helped us when we've had needs, who've gone out of their way. And so here's the thing that I want to say to you is just simply this. You've got to relate to people's needs. Let me take it from a different view line. Um, in the corporate world right now, the fastest growing companies are what are called on-demand companies. And so everything is on-demand. And so Uber, it's an on-demand. I need a ride to get from here to there. I need a ride right now. So what are you going to do? You're going to plug into the app. You're going to begin to send out the request. And they're going to send to the driver who's available that's closest to you. And that individual is going to be in a setting where it's on demand. There's a need that you have and you need it taken care of. Netflix. Boy, have they changed everything. On demand. I don't have to wait till next Tuesday to see anything. I can get entire episodes. I can binge watch. On demand. Well, if we can take it from the superficial back to real life, people have needs. And one of the things that makes a leader a good leader is when leaders relate to the needs of people. Um, Winston Churchill would talk about how that when he was outside and he was speaking to a group of people and it was cold, he would never, never wear a jacket. He said because he wanted to know when they were getting cold. And so he wanted to be able to relate to their particular need. So you've got to be able to relate to people's needs if you're going to. Jesus said, when I was hungry, need. Did you feed me? When I was thirsty, need. Did you give me something to drink? When I was sick, need. Did you visit me? See, leadership is about identifying needs and relating to needs. And the corporate world is great at identifying societal needs and creating opportunities for those needs to get met. Well, in leadership, that's what we have to do. The next, it says, in healing all manner of disease and healing all that were sick among them. And it says in there, the next thing, it says, but when he saw the multitude. Well, Scripturally, whenever the word multitude is used, it's usually referring to thousands. If it's used in the plural, it's referring to multiple thousands. So let me just put it this way. 
uh, this was a mega ministry. If we're going to use the standard that a mega church is anyone who runs more than 2,000 in attendance, uh, when he saw the multitude, thousands, when he saw the multitudes throughout the gospel, multiple thousands. But here's the deal. It's not the size of the crowd. It's what he saw. If you're going to lead, you have to have a vision for people. You have to be able to have a vision for people. Here's the thing. In our lives, we are to help everyone we can, whenever we can, however we can. I have a man that I admire greatly. I consider him a very dear friend. His name's Craig Rochelle. His recent book uh, that he put out just uh, a few months ago, uh, when I got it, you know, I read a whole lot. And, um, you know, because I read so much, some things are just stories restated and principles uh, redone. But as I read Craig's book, I was just uh, taken back because within his book were just stories. But the stories were specific. They were about individuals and about conversations with individuals. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, I love this book. Because a lot of times you would think that leaders never are involved with individuals. But when you read Craig's book, there's story after story of him being someplace, talking to someone, interacting with someone. And I loved it because here's one of the uh, most profound leaders right now in our day. And, and yet they're stories of individuals. You have to see people. You can't just walk by people. You have to be able to see them. And so if you're going to have the Jesus standard, you have to have a vision for people. I know that there's always more people than we have the time to help, but you should be helping some people. And if your schedule is such that you can't see any people as individuals, then maybe you need to step back and say, okay, the Jesus standard, I've got to see people. Um, next thing, it says that when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. If you're going to follow the Jesus standard, then you have to emotionally invest. Uh, you have to be emotionally in. And, um, you know, a lot of times, especially in marriage, uh, our wives or our husbands will say to us, well, you're not present. You're here, but you're not present. But, but here's the story. Jesus was emotionally invested. He was moved with compassion. Um, we know in the book of Hebrews, it says about Jesus, he was touched uh, with the feelings of our infirmity. He was touched. He felt it. That's emotional. And it's not that um, you're engaged in uh, emotions in every circumstance, but you have to be emotionally invested. That's a part of ownership. And so if you're going to own it, you're emotionally invested. And so he saw and he was moved with compassion. He was touched with feelings. Um, John Maxwell, another dear friend of mine, had the privilege of just serving on one of his boards for uh, really a long, long time. Uh, John says this, uh, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what this is saying. He was moved with compassion. No one cared how much Jesus knew 
until they knew how much he cared. And the Jesus standard is that we're going to emotionally invest. It then says, as he began to be moved with compassion, he began to, to notice that they were like sheep and, and that they, they fainted and they were scattered. And so he's looking at them and even though he's taught them, and I don't think there's a better communicator than Christ, even though he's ministered to them, I don't think there's a more effective minister than Christ. It says he looked at them. And as he looked at them, he saw them as sheep that were fainting. They were just exhausted. And they were scattered. There was no sense of direction and, and vision. And one of the things that this teaches us about leadership is this. You've got to go to the roots of issues. See, Jesus taught them. And that was one thing. Jesus related to their needs, and that was another thing. But if you're truly going to be a leader, then at some point you've got to go to the roots of the issues. You've got to look at people, and you've got to dig down a little bit, and you've got to say, hey, uh, I can tell you some good things that you'll like. I can do some good things that you'll enjoy. But we need to get to the root of the issue. And that's one of the things that great leaders do, is they know how to dig. And they know how to dig down and they know how to get to the root of the issues. And so as a leader, uh, people are going to present problems to you. But problems are usually symptoms. They're not the source. And once you handle the symptoms, at some place you're going to have to get to the source of what's really, really, really going on. I remember uh, Leo DeRocha, who, for those of you that are not baseball fans, was a great coach. And um, he went over to a shortstop one day, and he said to a shortstop, he said, I need you to really, really help the first baseman. I need you to throw the ball as hard as you can, because he's having a hard time catching, and I need you to get it over there as hard, and let's see if he can catch. Well, the shortstop took about 10 balls, and uh, he threw it as hard as he could. Man, he's throwing ropes over there. One of the other coaches came and said, the first baseman's not having a problem catching the ball. He said, no, the shortstop was having a problem throwing the ball hard. So I gave him a reason to throw the ball hard. See, he went to the source. And in life, all of us have got to go to the real issues. Jesus goes on and, and he looks at the multitude and he's moved with compassion. He sees them as, as sheep uh, without a shepherd. And then he looks and he says to the disciples, he said, the harvest is plentiful. One of the things that every leader knows is there's a lot at stake. No matter how many um, people any of us are able to reach, there's a lot at stake. And we need to be willing to see that, that, that it's a target-rich environment. That there are so many people out there that are in need of a meaningful relationship with Christ and are in need of having an encounter with Him. And because of that, uh, there's, there's just so much at stake. And what I'd say to you is, is leaders always see beyond the moment. And that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, hey, as, as big as this need is, 
There's more people with needs, and we have to see beyond. See, he was saying this to his disciples. Why? Because he was training them. He was training them to see bigger. That there's something at stake and that they need to grow up so that they can help others. And then he says, laborers are few. The Jesus standard says, you're going to need help. The Jesus standard says, if you're going to do effective leadership, you can't do it alone. The greatness of a leader is not what they do when they're in the room, but the greatness of a leader is who leads when the leader's not in the room. You're going to need help. You're going to need people who will help you on the leadership journey. And so you're going to need to help. But then he ends with this. He says, pray therefore. And what I can tell you is the Jesus standard always involves prayer. It always involves you reaching out to God with prayer, reaching out to others with prayer, investing your life in prayer, and investing the future in prayer. So, 10 principles. Let me just go over them. Number one, lead from the front. Number two, communicate clearly. Number three, give others hope. Number four, relate to their needs. Number five, have a vision for people. Number six, emotionally invest. Number seven, go to the root of the issues. Number eight, remember there's a lot at stake. Number nine, you're going to need to help people and you're going to need help helping them. And number 10, prayer is the key to the future. I believe that what we're seeing here is the Jesus standard. And I believe that they formed the basis of how Jesus led. And I believe they formed the basis of how we need to lead. So let me just remind you, when in doubt, do what Jesus did. Let me uh, just say thank you again to all of you who've told others about the, the podcast. The reach is just amazing. Hey, if I could remind you of something uh, on August the 11th, it's a Thursday, um, I'm going to be doing a Break in the 500 Barrier event, and it will be here at Plano. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries and give you more information. Uh, if I could just sort of give you a little bit of background, um, in there I'll be talking about the seven challenges of church growth. Then I will be talking about the four kinds of change every church has to navigate through. Then I will talk about breaking through barriers. And so just some of the subjects, there's more that we'll be dealing with. It starts at 9, it's over uh, at 3.30. But uh, if you're in a place where you feel like you have that uh, opportunity to maybe go through that particular barrier, uh, you can go online and you can sign up. Uh, thank you again for everything that you do. Thank you for making a difference in so many people's lives. Thank you for taking time to listen today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.